Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Well, if you would, go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And um, we're going to pick up where we left off. Kind of stay in our vain in our theme the Lord has us in on these midweeks on these Wednesday nights we're uh, uncovering discovering what it means to operate in discernment you know we need discernment in these last days what what we're going to need in these last days to be able to uh, know and understand and see clearly an attack of the enemy or what is what is actually meant to harm you, what is actually meant to destroy and divide and deceive, um, we're going to need discernment by the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that, uh, you know, this is encouraging you and, and strengthening you in your discernment. I'll, I'll probably get into it next week, the difference between discernment and suspicion, um, because we don't need to walk out of here suspicious of everything. Um, discernment doesn't mean you look for a problem. It means you recognize the problem. There's a difference, okay? So now we're not reading between the lines on every news post and every, every you know, article that comes out and well, what did that person really mean? Uh, we'll get into that probably next week. I'll get into uh, the difference because that, I don't need a suspicious church, an anxious church, an on-edge church um, because we have the victory, because, uh, I, you know, Jesus didn't go looking for problems. If you look at his ministry, he wasn't, okay, where's the next devil to cast out? Where's the next demon? They came running to him. His ministry actually attracted it. But he, he wasn't looking for Pharisees and Sadducees to pick a fight with. He wasn't trying to, you know, get all brash and bold up into, uh, you know, King Herod's palace and get before Pontius Pilate and say, hey, what's y'all's problem? I'm down here to, to un, unveil and uncover all. He didn't do that. You know what the answer is for strengthening people's discernment? Preach the gospel. You know, the Great Commission works, still works. Go ye into all the world. And nowhere in there does it say, go, you in, go ye into all the world and find all the bad people. No, just preach the good news. Just preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Just preach the word of God. That's all we need to do. Now, we're teaching on the subject, but I'm not teaching you to create a bunch of suspicious Christians. That's not what we're doing. I'm teaching you so we can better recognize when we are engaged. Jesus operated. There was never a time he was caught off guard. Never a time that, that he was uh, blindsided by someone. I mean, they... they brought out an adulterous woman to him in the middle of the street. I mean, that was a pretty tricky one. Uh, they, 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 they came to his uh, services and his meetings, and, and he's getting ready to heal people, and they'll call him out about the Sabbath and washing your hands and, uh, you know, doing this and doing that. And he was never blindsided. He was always able to discern what spirit they were of. There was even one time that his disciples came to him, his disciples came to him and they saw some people, you know, casting out demons and, and doing some miracles. They were like, hey, they're not doing it in your name. Do, you know, should we go get them? And he said, you don't know what spirit you're of. He was even able to, to determine what spirit his own people were of, right? He was able to determine when Peter got up in his face and said, hey, I'm making sure you're not going to the cross. He said, get thee behind me. That was discernment. It takes discernment to call one of your best friends Satan. Right? He wasn't blindsided. He was never caught off guard. And that's the way we need to be. Not looking for trouble, not looking for problems, but ready to distinguish and ready to separate thoroughly between right and wrong, good and evil, truth and lies. And in these last days, we know that we're going to have to be all the more prepared for that. A quick recap, very quick. Uh, we started back in Genesis chapter 3 with the enemy, the snake, the, the snake, the serpent, right? And we saw that his inroad to Adam and Eve, 
to get them to sin was actually not, uh, uh, you know, placing in front of them uh, an evil towards God, but actually trying to be more like God. That's called manipulation. That's called deception. And that's how the enemy works. We saw that he was the most cunning beast of the field. And that word meant tricky and subtle, right? Sneaky. And that is how the enemy still works today. So we need to know that about our enemy. We need to know that. We, I, I'm, I'm not propping him up to be some, you know, some great mastermind, but I'm just letting you know how he works. Your authority in your uh, operation according to the word of God. You know what's interesting about Adam and Eve is Adam and Eve never needed to call on God to do anything about the snake. Most Christians don't even understand that fundamental principle right there. And that's why our prayer lives are 90% calling out to God and crying out to God, asking him to do something about our issues. Y'all hear me? They were never, there was never a time where God said, now if things get crazy down there, just let me know. I'll get down there and take care of it. I'll show up. I'll let them know who's boss. You know, God didn't even warn Adam and Eve about him. You cannot find it in one and two, anywhere in there. You cannot find anywhere where God said, by the way, there was this guy up here. and He was my worship leader. He was my main guy. Angel of light, real cool guy, Lucifer. But, you know, he got up in his head. He thought that I was going to bow down to him, and he wanted me to worship him, and things got a little crazy. And so I had to cast him out, and he took a third of the angels with him. Uh, So, you know, if he shows up anywhere down there, you just let me know. He didn't even warn him about the snake. He didn't even warn about his, the, the, the nemesis, the enemy of God, right? The, the one that tried to overthrow God and overthrow it. That, that'd be the first thing I would do. If I knew my enemy was in your town, hey, there's this guy. He's going to try to say bad things about me. And, and so I'm just letting you know, you know, he had no warnings at all. No warnings at all. What did Adam and Eve need to do to take care of the devil? Obey. They actually didn't even need to dabble with him at all. Now, they were the guards and the protectors of the Garden of Eden. Yes, they were. They were, they were there on guard, and they were there to, to protect and take care of the garden. But had they just simply obeyed God's word and not eaten of the fruit of the tree, what could the snake have done to them? This is why obedience is, is, the, is such a key factor in the life. The enemy cannot touch the obedient believer. The enemy cannot touch. He is all bark and no bite. He is roaming around as a roaring lion, but he has no threat to you. He is no threat to you if you are in line with his word. He couldn't touch Adam and Eve. There was nothing he could do. He could simply tempt them. He could simply try to trick them. He could simply try to seduce them into doing something that went against God's word. But he had no power or authority to do anything to Adam and Eve whatsoever. And he still has no power and authority over the believer. A life submitted to God is the greatest response to the enemy. I said a life submitted to God is the greatest response to the enemy. So I'm not here telling you, none of this is to scare you into, oh, the last days and things are going to be tricky and how am I going to know and how am I going to recognize? No, 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 no. You are victorious. You do what God's called you to do. You stay in alignment with his plan. You forgive when he tells you to forgive. You don't hold a grudge when he tells you to let that go. You you respond to the word of God. You, You give when he tells you to give and you sow when he tells you to sow and you bless when he tells you. You fall Follow his plan and you stay alignment and the devil is no threat to you. No threat. Okay? So we started back there in Genesis chapter 3 where 
the enemy deceived, seduced, tricked, cunningly, subtly, sneak in a sneaky manner and got Adam and Eve to disobey. And this is why we need discernment because we need to know the intentions and the motivations be beyond just surface, beyond just what we see on a surface level. We need to be able to dive in and go deeper. In Proverbs uh, chapter three, here in chapter, chapter three, verse five, just gonna touch on this and then we're gonna move on. This is where we were last week. And if you have missed any of these, I highly encourage you to get on and, and get the messages that you've missed because they're all building on each other. We're going somewhere. We're going in a direction. And um, so we're not gonna hit it all in one night. So definitely be sure to, to catch up on the ones that you may have missed. Verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. That means I put my full dependence, all my faith, all my trust in the Lord. He says, with all your heart. That means I cannot have even 1% of my heart relying on anything else but him. Now, I know that might sound difficult. I, might, I know that might sound like, oh, yeah, who actually does that? If it's in the word, you can do it. If it's in the word, you can do it. God would not tell you to do something you could not do. He would not put in his word, be holy as I am holy, if it was not possible for you to live and be holy. What kind of God would do that? What kind of master would do that? To, to make a commandment of something in your life that you did not have the possibility. To, you can't do it on your own ability, but by the Holy Spirit, you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not, do not rely on your own understanding. And so we went down this road last week that when we abandon our trust in God, we develop a reliance on our own understanding or our own ability or our own reasoning. And so we have this, comp, this constant contention between God's way and our way, my way. Usually when we find a command or we receive direction from God, one of the first things that shows up in your life is your way of achieving the same result. It's not that we want something completely different. We want God's results and we want God's solutions and we want God's blessing, but we find an alternative route. We find another way. And he's saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He knows he knows that the first thing you're going to think of is how can I achieve that another way? How can I get to that answer but not have to go through that and not have to do this and not have to go there and not have to see that person and not have to involve this? And, and, and that's what we try to do. And so we manipulate the plan of God, but yet we want the same result. We, we manipulate. I mean, I, I, I think I said this as an example last week. This happens all the time. If I'm counseling someone in their marriage, if I'm counseling someone in their life, in their finances, there will be a course set. Because that's what godly counsel is. I'm not just there to listen. <laughs> I'm not just there for you to vent all your frustration. A, a godly counsel will give direction by the Holy Spirit. And you know, 90% of the time, my wife and I, we go into those meetings, into those sessions, we have no idea. Like if somebody lets us know, I wanna to talk to you about this, I wanna meet about this, you know, half the time we're driving to the meeting thinking, I don't know what to tell. I don't, I don't know how to fix this. You know? And you're almost down, like, what can, what, what can we do? What can we say? But by the Holy Spirit, he gives us small steps of action, small steps of direction. 
I, I don't know a percentage. I'd probably say 50% of the time. From that meeting, if we have a follow-up meeting or a second round or whatever, somewhere between the first meeting and the next meeting, they've come up with their own way to achieve the same thing. To achieve the same thing. The same, we, we all, we're all here wanting the same thing. But that's how people treat the word of God. That's how people treat the word of God. God, bless me in my finances. Oh, I, God, I just, I need you to, to be, to, to bless me. Oh, show me, show me in your word. Okay, uh, you've robbed me in tithe and offering. Bring all your tithe into the store. Ah, oh, 10%. I got a 20. I got a 20. I, I, I give him a 20. God will bless the 20. That's manipulating God. That's just a simple example. I've got another route. I got another way. That's not trusting in the Lord. See, when I trust in the Lord with all my heart, then I do as his word says. Exactly as his word says. And no alternatives, no off-ramps, no shortcuts. So trust in the Lord with all your heart What's this have to do with deception and discernment? Because when I'm not adhering to the word of God in its totality, and I put any level of dependence on my own ability or my own reasoning, now I'm open to deception. What I've just done is I've exalted my way over his way. And the greatest level of deception is believing that you are achieving the same thing that God wants. That's the greatest level of deception. It's one thing to be completely lost. I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with his church. I don't want anything to do with his plan. I'm gonna ignore that. I'm gonna do it my way. It's another to think, I'm gonna get the same thing God wants, but I'm gonna do it this way. I'm gonna take these steps. Y'all remember Naaman? Naaman in the Bible, the great warrior, that he had on this armor, but when the armor came off, he found out that there was something under the armor, leprosy. And in, Laman, in Naaman's mind, Naaman's mind, he even spoke it. He even said it. I'm going to go to the prophet, and he's going to come out, and he's going to wave his hand over me, and I'll be healed. And I'm going to bring all this gold. I'm going to bring all this silver. I'm going to bring all these fine clothing, all this linen. I'm going to bring my chariots and my horsemen. And I'm going to bring all my entourage. And they're going to be so impressed. And the, the prophet's going to come out. He's going to wave his hand over me. And I'm going to get my miracle. And Elisha doesn't even bother to come out. He sends a messenger to Naaman and says, Uh... Uh, the Jordan River, go dip in that thing seven times and you'll be healed. And you know what was crazy? Is Elisha's command was actually much simpler than Naaman's plan. Isn't that crazy? It wasn't going to cost him a dime. He was ready to expense this great amount of cost to get this miracle. Trust in the Lord. The Lord wants me to dip in the dirtiest river in town. I mean, he even said that. The Jordan, back home, we've got this one and this one and this one, and there's some of the finest rivers. I mean, at least I'd get, it would be refreshing. At least it'd be some clean water. What's that? My way. That's how I would do it. I, I, you know, probably, I, I probably, if, if I sat down and thought about it, every time God directed me, I probably instantly came up with my way of doing it. It's the, it's the constant contention. And every time I yield myself to my way, I exalt my way of doing it. I open myself up to deception. Now my discernment is compromised. My ability is to discern and separate thoroughly between the two because I have exalted my way so much 
that I don't have any clarity into his way, into his plan. He goes on to say there in uh, Proverbs chapter three, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your paths straight. You know, again, we would rather take our crooked path than his straight path. Isn't that crazy? I mean, like with Naaman. Naaman was used to doing great things. But God just wanted him to do a small thing. Naaman was a warrior. Naaman was a conqueror. Naaman was, you know, he was well-known, well-renowned for his battles and his victories and his, and his fight and, and all that he had done. He had gained the attention of so many. But now God asked him to do a small thing. Yeah. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. And then it goes on to say this in verse seven, don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I'll read this to you quickly in the amplified version be on the screen behind me. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Your own insight or understanding. You know, faith requires us to step out beyond what we understand, beyond what we know. There's so much of the word of God that we believe simply because we believe it by faith, not because I've seen it, not because it's been proven, not because science backs it up. I thank God that science backs up so much of God's system and God's plan, but I do not rely on that to believe in that. My reliance and my dependence is on what? The Lord. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. Our recognition. Man, I tell you what, if you want to strengthen your recognition in these last days, build your trust and build your faith. That's how our recognition goes up. Now I recognize him. Now I see him, how he's moving. And he will make your paths straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord with reverent awe and obedience and turn entirely away from evil. Turn entirely away from evil. Go over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. So this deception shows up when I want God's results, but my way. Adam and Eve, they wanted God's results, but their way. What was God's way? Do not eat from the fruit of this tree. And they went after the one thing God marked off. They went after the one thing God said, do not touch, do not eat. They went after the one thing God had told them to stay away from. That was God's way. And then there was man's way. They were deceived into thinking they could access something that God had already given them and doing it their way. In Matthew chapter seven, let's start with verse 15. Verse 15. It says, be on your guard. Now again, this does not mean that we take up this posture where we're looking for everything. The Bible tells us to be sober, tells us to be aware, tells us to be vigilant. But that doesn't mean that I'm peering in every round, every quarter. Okay, what are they doing wrong here? Where's the deception here? Uh, what, what's, 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 what are they really saying by that? that? That's not the position that we're taking. Be on guard means be aware. Have an awareness. You remember what we saw over in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, said that we have become lazy and dull and sluggish in our hearing. When we start to draw back a little bit, 
We're not as attentive. We're not as intentional. We're not as focused anymore. And so he's maintaining a posture of be aware, be vigilant, be on your guard against what? False prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. He says, you'll recognize them them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs produces good fruit? A good, good fruit. And every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll your guard against false prayer fruit. Now this is what he's saying. Be on your guard against false prophets. Now, because he's telling me to be on my guard, it tells me it's not going to be that apparent. I've got to be on my guard, false teachers. This, again, doesn't mean we go around analyzing Every preacher, every pastor, every author, every, you know, every person. No, we're on our guard, which means I need to have a level of recognition and I'm not just swallowing everything that comes. Remember Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, where uh, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he's encouraging them. He says in verse 11 that the fivefold ministry has been given prophets, evangelists, pastors, uh, teachers, apostles that they've been given for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And down in there, he also says, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Tossed to and fro. That means there's no foundation. That means I'm chasing. I'm going after this thing. And then I come after this thing. Oh, I hear a new thing. And, and, and then uh, uh, over in Timothy calls it itching ear. Can't tolerate, always desiring to hear something new. Can't tolerate or doesn't have an appetite for anything foundational or fundamental in their lives. They always have to hear a new teaching and a new revelation. And so he's letting them know here that there will be false prophets and you'll have to be on your guard to recognize them. You'll have to be on your guard. You'll have to be uh, in a position where you can discern the difference. Why? Because they will come to you with the result they're trying to achieve. But they will lead you to get to that result a way other than through God's word. They'll highlight the result. They'll highlight the end goal. And guess what? We all want the end goal. We all want the same thing. But they will give you an alternative route. They will give you, rely on your own understanding. And these Pharisees that he's talking about, these were some of the most intellectual people of Jesus' day. Sometimes we know too much to believe. Do you know that? Sometimes our desire to know outweighs our desire to believe and it compromises our ability to believe because I have to know instead of just believing even though I may not know. These Pharisees killed Jesus, the Messiah, because they knew too much. And so when Jesus didn't show up, again, Jesus was God's plan, not man's plan. <laughs> that was God's plan. It was God's plan to send Jesus, in, send himself in the flesh. God's plan from Genesis chapter 3 when man missed it. He said, by the woman she will conceive a child, born of a virgin. Born in, the, in a barn, not a, not a castle like most kings. Not revered like kings, but just a lowly carpenter. 
that when he even went back to his hometown, they didn't even recognize who, they saw the power, they saw the works, but they said, ah, but it's just Jesus. And they missed it. These are the Pharisees that Jesus is talking about. These are the false prophets and the false teachers that he's telling you to be aware of, that he's telling you to be on guard for, that he's telling you to have a, 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 a supernatural ability to recognize that it's not just gonna look like it on the surface. This is where discernment comes in. Well, these Pharisees were great at developing their own way. They were not a trust in the Lord with all your heart bunch. They were a rely on your own understanding bunch. We saw it just Sunday, Matthew chapter 15, verses one through three. When they're confronting Jesus about uh, uh, you know, washing their hands before they eat. And Jesus says, well, while you have been creating man-made traditions, you've been abandoning God commandments. While you have been working so hard to get people to follow after your man-made stuff, what's that? Leaning on your own understanding. You've actually neglected and abandoned God's commands for your life. You, you have walked away from God's way of doing it, and now you're leaning solely on your way of doing it, yet trying to achieve the same desired result, trying to get to the same place that you know God wants you to get. And Jesus didn't, he, he, he didn't say, I, I came away, I came to do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. What he was letting them know was the law, which is what these Pharisees and Sadducees held so tightly to, was never never gave them the ability to be set free from sin. It only gave them the ability to know they were in sin. There's a, there's a big difference between just knowing that I'm sinning and actually being able to live above it. And Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with it, to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. That in me, in my way of doing things, you will have fulfilled the law. So he's, he's, he's identifying these people, you won't recognize who they really are because they're going to say that they're trying to achieve the same thing that we all are. But yet they're going to have their own plan. Because look at this in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. And on that day, many will say, he says many, not just a few. Many will say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? Now, if we just looked at those three things that he listed right there, we would say, well, man, you're, we're on the same team. We're achieving the same mission. We're working towards the same purpose. We're, we're all trying to get to the same goal. We're all trying to accomplish the same task. Hey, I want to align myself with you. You're prophesying. You're casting out demons. You're healing the sick. You're, you're, and, and, and so he says, by simply identifying these signs? He said, no, no. He says, then I will announce, I never knew you. Depart from me. He says, depart from me, you what? You lawbreakers. He's saying, you use these signs and you use these miracles as your way of achieving my result. But you never once got to know me. What did that verse back there in Proverbs chapter three say? In all your ways, acknowledge him or know him and he will make your path straight. He said, all you did was find an alternative route to get to the same conclusion. And you know what? God will even let you arrive at the end, but you'll stand accountable for how you got there. 
He'll even let you achieve. He'll even let you look like you made it. He'll even let you arrive at the end result. But you'll have to stand accountable for how you got there. Did you trust in the Lord with all your heart? We said this last week, that until we tear down the altar of our opinion, we will never be set free from the bondage of deception. Our opinions, our way, our reasoning, our logic, our understanding. Our, man, we, we, we put that stuff on altars. We worship that stuff like knowing is something great. Hey, we need to know. We need to grow. We need to grow in knowledge. We need to grow in wisdom. We need to grow in understanding. Absolutely. But it's never to replace doing things God's way. If I ever know so much that it removes my ability or capacity to live by faith, then, then I've compromised the greatest part of my life. Because it doesn't say in Hebrews chapter six, it is imp- it, uh, it's impossible to please God without knowing. It says it is impossible to please God without faith. By f- without faith, it is impossible to please God. It says nothing about knowing and understanding and, and comprehending and... So we have these individuals that they exalted their way of doing things. They exalted their route, their plan. You can go on down, it keeps on going. He's not done yet. Again, remember, these Pharisees believe they're achieving God mission, God goals, God plans. Even by killing Jesus, they believed that they were serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he breaks it down a little further in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock so let's just analyze this real quick we got a guy he's built a house a storm comes and what sustained the house it wasn't the building of the house it wasn't how great it looked it was the foundation It was what it was built on. It was the part you can't even see. It's the part that you walk on and don't even know it, that sustained it. Not all the pretty stuff. Not all the stuff we put on the outside to show ourselves off. No, it was the foundation that it was built on. Now let's go to the next one. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and doesn't act on them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. What was the difference? The difference was what the house was built on. He didn't use lesser quality material. It wasn't that the storm wasn't as bad for the wise man as it was for the foolish man. He didn't get a a category five hurricane, but the wise man only got a category two hurricane. No, it was the foundation. Now, what determined the foundation? Well, we got to back up. Verse 24 says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Verse verse 26 says, everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them. So what's the difference between the two? What's the difference between the two? The action. 
one followed the words that Jesus spoke and one didn't. You see how simple this is? You see how God is not trying to make this complex and throw this over our head? He's, he's breaking this down for you. Both men heard. Both men sat in the same service. Might have sat on the same row. Heard the same word. The difference was one did and one didn't. One trusted in the Lord with all his heart and did not lean on his own understanding. We, 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 we can't, if the foolish man didn't have access to the same word and the same instruction and the same commands and the same direction, that'd be one thing. But he had access to the same word and the same instruction and the same commands, the same counsel, the same direction. He had access to the same foundation. One trusted in the Lord with all his heart and leaned not on his own understanding. In all his ways acknowledged him and his paths were made straight. He was not wise in his own eyes. He turned entirely away from evil. The foolish man, he leaned on his own ability. He leaned on his own way. He exalts his opinion. See, when we don't obey the word, we're ultimately obeying a word. You're obeying something. You're responding to something, whether it's your own intellect, whether it's the enemy tempting you, seducing you, and we're, we haven't been able to recognize and discern between the two. And he's letting them know, these false prophets, these false teachers, they don't trust in the Lord with all their heart. They lean on their own understanding. Lean on it, depend on it, rely on it. Doesn't mean I can't have my own understanding. It means I don't rely on it. I don't depend on it. God created you with a powerful understanding. God created you with, you were made in the image and the likeness of God. You were made with the capacity and the imagination of heaven. So I'm not talking about just sit back, God, just tell me where to go. I don't know. No, he will, he will give you, but you follow his counsel and you follow his wisdom and you follow his, and I don't rely on my own ability, but God will sure use your ability if you will steer it in the right direction. If you will hitch it, to his word, to his counsel, to his direction. Man, he will sharpen your wisdom. He will sharpen your understanding. He will sharpen your thinking. He will sharpen your mind. He will give you the ability to see what no one else can see. He'll give you, he'll quicken you to, to respond quickly. He'll sharpen you, even physically, even in your, your mental capacity, in your mind. But I can never get to the point that I rely on it and depend on it. I have to always keep myself in a posture of acting on his word, obeying his word. What does James chapter one, verse 22 say? Be ye doers of the word and not hearers, hearers only. You know what it goes on to say after that? Can we pull that up, James 1, 22? Most of y'all know what it says, but it, it falls right in line with what we're saying right now. If I only hear the word and don't do it, deceiving, <laughs> the devil's not even involved in this process. You can't blame that one on the enemy. It says we're deceiving ourselves. Even the devil is like, that's pretty good work right there. We're doing his work for him. A hearer only? That's a rely on my own understanding. 
I don't acknowledge him in all my ways and he doesn't keep my path straight. I don't turn entirely from evil. Now trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Man, with that tension, that crossroads. It seems like the greatest commands, I have the greatest ideas to do it a different way. The greater the, the greater the demand for obedience, the greater the response in myself that says, but I could achieve it like this. I, I, I could achieve it this way. I mean, there's just so many examples. That I'm, I'm reminded of King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15. God gives the command, go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Remove them off of the planet. Get rid of them entirely. If it breathes, kill it. Animals, children, wives, sons, daughters, every single one of them. Wipe the Amalekites off of the planet. And King Saul decides, I got another one. Uh, We could keep the best. The best of the, I mean, this is a good cow over here. That one, get rid of it, but that's a, that'll make a good. Keep that one. He says, we even, we even kept it so that we could sacrifice it. This is what he tells Samuel after Samuel comes and confronts him later. Oh, we kept the best of the best to sacrifice to you, God. What does Samuel say? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And even, see, again, what was the greatest level of deception for King Saul? He thought he was achieving God's purpose. We're going to offer it to you, God. We're going to use this to worship. If God says get rid of it, he doesn't want it offered to you offered to him as a sacrifice. You know what the sacrifice is he's looking for? You. (laughs) You. Lay down your reasoning. Lay down your way. The sacrifice he's looking for, the one that he wants on the burnt altar, is you. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for what we can offer. He's looking for us. The greatest sacrifice King Saul could have made in that moment was his own personal agenda to achieve popularity with the people and to be moved by what the people said because he was such an insecure king and had already backtracked so far that he's like, I I gotta, you know, if it pleases the people, we're going there. God said, utterly destroy the Amalekites, get rid of all of them. And now he's saving the best. Save the king. Samuel shows up and says, why do I hear all the lowing of sheep? Dead things don't make all that noise. There's a problem. See, we do that in our lives. We keep dead things alive. We put them on life support or we think that we're gonna use them for the glory of God. And he said to destroy it. He said, get rid of it. He said, remove it. He said, abandon it. He said, neglect it. Obey him. Trust in the Lord. But God, I need that. You know how much this is. You know how much that's been a blessing to me. You know how much that person cut it off, lay it aside. But God, I can save them. I can redeem them. If I just get one more chance. I said, remove that relationship from your life. It's toxic and it's pulling you down. And we wanna keep it. Oh God, I'm I'm gonna get them saved. I'm gonna get them born again. I'm going to bring them into the kingdom for you and it ends up drawing you away further and further from him if you would have just trusted in the Lord with all your heart the seeds that you planted he would have used to reach that person and God can get them because you don't love them more than God does you see what I'm saying trust in the Lord Let's stop exalting our agendas. Let's stop lifting up our opinions. Let's stop worshiping and glorifying our ideas and trust in the Lord with all our heart. Build your house on the solid rock by hearing the word. Okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that and only that. 
And I think I showed you last week, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He had a trust in the Lord or rely on my own understanding. Father, if there's any other way, there's an alternative route. If you've got another option, now would be a good time to let me know. But I'm gonna trust in you with all my heart. If this is the plan to redeem mankind, if this is your way of getting the kingdom back in the earth, if this is your way of of the blood being shed of the spotless lamb for the redemption, for the redemption of all mankind, whether they receive it or not, that's what I'm gonna do. And he offered up his own body. And now he's asking for us to do the same. To to offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. This is your reasonable act of worship. It's what he's asking for us to do. The greatest way to stay out of deception, the greatest way to build discernment in your life is starting with the word he's already given you. You know, some of the most deceived people that I know, they're always, they have the hardest time adhering to the word of God, the Bible. Oh, they get words all the time. They hear words all the time. Brother, I have a word for you. But yet they're not following this word, God's word. I don't want to get a word until I stay with his word. I don't want to get anything outside of what this says. And the church today, through through so many, not just even denominationally, but even within denominations, we have so many adaptations to this word because we've created all these little routes to get to the same goal, to achieve the same purpose. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.